Welcome to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. Dr. Williams is the author of the acclaimed book, Shattered by the Darkness, Putting the Pieces Back Together After Child Abuse. Dr. Williams is on the senior leadership team at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. And Dr. Williams travels the United States speaking and training professionals, parents, and victims about the importance of dealing with abuse and personal trauma head-on and not being afraid to break the silence of your own personal pain. Feel free to call in to tonight's show at 888-627-6008 and speak with Dr. Williams and his guests live on air. And now, your host, Dr. Williams. Welcome to Breaking the Silence. My name is Greg Williams. I'm live from the awesome and most beautiful city in the world, Houston, Texas. And if you don't believe me, just look at the sunset right behind me from my home's window. Is that not awesome and beautiful? You're going to see us fade right into complete darkness here in just a few minutes. I've uh, been traveling today. I spoke this morning till about 11 o'clock at church, and then I got on the road and drove about 235 miles to San Antonio to speak there at 3, got done at 4.15 and drove 235 miles back, and here I am, uh, just kind of slid in. I, I put it in park and ran up, uh, took the elevator up to my place, and uh, ready to have one of the, I think, going to be one of the most memorable and best uh, interviews that we've had possibly in the history of our program. So if you know somebody that wants to hear a good interview tonight, get on the uh, horn right now, text them, email them, and say, hey, you want to tune in tonight. If you want to get involved, there's two different ways to do it tonight. You can get right on the Facebook page, and it looks like my son's got that up and running, Shattered by the Darkness Facebook page, and you can get on there and watch it live. Uh, But you can also comment, put questions in there, and I'll read them and check them after the first commercial break. Or you can call 888-627-6008. And TJ, with that awesome radio voice at BBS Radio, will say, good evening, how can I help you? And he will patch your question right through to our guest tonight and to me. And we'll let you have a comment or a question. And you can stay on until we're finished answering it if you want to make sure you hear it live from us. So we'd love to have you just join in. We always like to think that if you just give us 45 to 50 minutes every Sunday night, you will be able to leave with something that's going to make you uh, look at life a little deeper, uh, have a better quality of life, or just pick up a tool or two or a tip or two of something that will help you get through or one of your friends possibly in the coming week. And speaking of that, I always like to take just a few seconds, not very long at the, at the front. And besides that, I've been speaking all day, so I'm going to kind of hush and let our guests talk most of the time tonight. But uh, I always like to just share maybe what I've learned this week. Um, you know, sometimes you have great weeks and you just got a lot of progress done. Sometimes you have great days and you, man, you just think, wow, I conquered the world today. 
But you know, there's days that sometimes you don't. So at the end of the day, whether you choose to go with it or flow with it, resist it or change it or hide from it, let me just remind you, and it may be a secret, I don't know, but I'm just going to remind you real quick if you want to lean in. Life goes on. So if you didn't get accomplished what you wanted to get accomplished today, you get an opportunity tomorrow to do it all over again or to do absolutely nothing. The issue is, it's your choice. Your choice. Don't allow anyone else to make that choice for you. You need to put on your big boy and big girl pants and choose what you want. And one of the things that I think would be good choices as you look around, just look at who are you spending the most and majority of your time with. Choose to make this coming week the time that you spend with the right people. Then make a choice this week to concentrate on where you are at right now. Yeah, what has happened to us in the past, and you're going to hear some horrific things that happened in a person's past or guest tonight's past. But if you keep dwelling on that and reliving that, it'll end up taking you down that same road over and over and over. So you have to wake up in the morning deciding to concentrate on what you're going to accomplish today in the present. And then in that process, try to make a choice, a deliberate choice, and only a choice that you can make, to have the right attitude, to not be, you know, listening to the naysayers, uh, talking down to yourself, and I have a tendency to do that, but to try to have as, as a positive attitude as you can, even though life isn't perfect possibly for you right now. It's never perfect, is it? If it is, beware, because probably tomorrow something's going to happen to mess that up. Make a choice to endure the pain. Maybe there's something that you're afraid to say. Maybe there's something that you're afraid to love. Maybe there's somewhere that you're afraid to go. Uh, maybe it's going to hurt you. Uh, maybe it's going to hurt you because it matters and because it's going to expand your horizons. Remember, sometimes pain isn't always a bad thing. Sometimes it's just a way to force us one step farther in our own personal growth. And then, like I said a while ago, ignore all those people that are in that corner talking negative about you. I, I don't know the whole story about our guest tonight, but I have a feeling that there's going to be people that was in his corner that was saying things, hey, forget this. You can't do this anymore. You're no good. You've been broken. You're a broken vessel. I, I got that a lot too. And we have to avoid all of those naysayers. And in that process, start feeding ourselves the good things and then appreciate what you have. And then the last thing, because somebody could probably be listening and I go, great, what in the world did you drive 480 miles round trip today to do. Was it all about money? No, it wasn't about money. It was about making 
an impact on the world. And if me going to speak for an hour and 15 minutes impacted one person's life in San Antonio, and I'm going to welcome them. They may be listening tonight on the program. I want to welcome them. Then I achieved what my goal was today, was to make a positive impact, was to make a positive difference in someone's life. And let me tell you, being the richest man or the richest woman in the cemetery <laughs> doesn't matter. But going to bed every night knowing that you made a positive difference with sharing the good and the bad things that's happened to you in your life to a world, it can matter. And making that difference is what it's all about. Making that positive, positive impact. And I think tonight our guest knows what it takes to be able to take media, to be able to take movies, to be able to take productions and theater and all of this technology and create and tell a story. Because Anthony Tuton from Newfoundland up in Canada, I mean, way up north there, I think he may be in Quebec tonight, we'll find out when he comes in is a trained actor, filmmaker, media developer, and he graduated some, from some of the most prestigious schools and academies and education that money could buy, but it was prestigious. He was on the edge of his career to be, and he was, an award-winning producer, director, writer. All of that was just, life was going so awesome for him. But something happened. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And then how that impacts you and how to get up and go after it again and make it happen again. It's my privilege tonight, all the way from our neighbors in the lovely country of Canada, to welcome Anthony to the program. Anthony, are you there? Can you hear me? I am, Dr. Williams. Thank you very much. That was a very gracious and tremendous introduction. Uh, you said some very powerful things and actually... I've come to learn that there are no coincidences in life. There are only signs. And uh, what's interesting is that um, instead of saying coincidentally, <laughs> um, I, uh, I experienced some of what um, you put out there in your introduction today. And just within the last few hours, as I decided to meditate and brainstorm on this opportunity with you, given that you are a survivor yourself, uh, given that you have um, the ability, uh, both as a, a doctor, to help others and uh, as a writer and author as well, but also to provide me this opportunity. Um, I'm currently in Hamilton on the border of Stony Creek um, here in Ontario. And um, what's interesting is that uh, we had this, you know, for the listeners, uh, we had this opportunity to possibly do the interview on Labor Day weekend, and instead we chose for today. And um, up until today, I had a bit of a different approach. And I know we had uh, some some great interaction emails going back and forth, and I really appreciate that. But what I want to say is, you mentioned friends and um, naysayers and whatnot over the years, and of course uh, we can talk all about that. But that also gets into a bit of the category of regrets. And um, 
right now, what I'll say is in order for me to be able to present myself the way that I am right now is not only through the grace of God, but also through the graces of some um, people who became very fast friends and understood both the opportunities that I had as well as um, some missed opportunities. And um, there were some, again, coincidences with respect to people they knew through the years who were um, connected to uh, friends of my families. And, and um, it was just crazy how it all came together, crazy in a positive way. So I'm very blessed to have this opportunity to speak with you and speak with your listeners. And of course, cliches are cliches because they're true. And the old cliche, like you said earlier, and alluded to, if you can help one person, like when you were speaking in San Antonio at church today uh, in Texas, um, and I'd love to, I've always wanted to visit Texas, but uh, if you can help just one person, then um, you've done something. And what I found was by virtue of, and I'll tell you specifically what I did, um, I jotted down some notes, uh, some things that my late father, Jeff, um, who died far too soon due to pancreatic cancer, which really shook me up and I think was the cause of this recent trajectory, uh, which led me to this point. And um, uh, had he not passed away, I think things would be dramatically different. But, but having said that, I, uh, I decided to jot down some things that he inspired me over the years with. And uh, one of them was... Um, the book Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Viktor Frankl. And I started jotting down these things, and I don't mean to be belabored in saying this, I'll get to my point, but I think it will segue into where you want me to possibly go with this, to possibly help at least one other person. And, and hopefully there's more than that, because uh, you've done some great work. And I think by uh, guiding me here, um, we could get to some interesting territory, because the fact is, I suddenly found myself writing uh, probably for the second or third time um, very specifically about the incident which took place on my father's birthday, December 11th, 2002, after having worked as the face um, and media developer and um, quick time video um, section creator for a web listings site in St. John's, Newfoundland, which was started by a great guy who became like a mentor to me, Peter Wilkins, who was from England. And um, he, uh, he gave me the opportunity. I was heavily involved in theater. He gave me the opportunity to create the web video section for his enter entertainment listing site um, and uh, be the host. And I had a great friend, John Watson, who I went to Ridley College with, boarding school here in Canada, where my dad and my grandfather went. And uh, everything was looking great. And um, unfortunately, on uh, December the 11th, um, my dad's birthday, I uh, decided to uh, leave the um, birthday dinner. There was a snowstorm outside. I was in St. John's, Newfoundland. Um, Sivd, uh, we had moved on from. I had interviewed Kiefer Sutherland there. I had interviewed people like Jonathan Torrens here in Canada. And like I said, did some great work. Uh, I felt with uh, John Watson and a few other people, a good friend of mine. And um, and uh, I was trying to get my documentary about my great-grandfather, who had the first Kodak distributorship, uh, Teutons Photography, and was a Maronite born in Damascus, Syria, and came over in 1903. And um, I was trying to do a documentary about him, and I, I uh, just to, to 
uh, use this opportunity. I, I eventually did recently in 2021 win the award for best documentary short in San Diego of all places because I finally completed the project with the support of the National Film Board of Canada here. But um, I had been hoping to get it off the ground at that time back in 2002. And on December 11th, I uh, unfortunately decided to go to a hockey game with a friend of mine. And from there, um, somebody slipped something in my drink. And uh, the worst incident that could have happened took place. And it wasn't this scenario that would have happened uh, for any other reason except for the existence of the date rape drug and um, rohypnol and whatnot, which was quite uh, prevalent, pervasive, sorry, in uh, Newfoundland at that time. And uh, it's very much an island culture there. We're an island most easterly point in North America, St. John's, Newfoundland, Cape Spear, and the oldest city in North America. And um, that's where the darkest night, <laughs> to use a word from your show title, um, happened. And um, and tonight, I, with my friend, wrote out um, some of the specifics that I never really shared before. And I have those pages in front of me, should we choose to um, have me read them or read uh, excerpts. But um, it's not too long. It's just that I had this emotion come over me, and I realized the opportunity that I had with you, which was to let people know that we're all in repair. We're never alone. And you can, you know, get yourself out of that paper bag, even if it's with your forceps, you know, it's like a rebirth. And, um, and that's where I'm at tonight, uh, today with you. But um, I guess I'll throw it back to you to say that, uh, unfortunately, on that night, I was, um, like I said, uh, drugged and, uh, and brutally raped. And um, you were at a hockey game, in your drink, someone slipped. Another male friend of yours? It was after the hockey game. And it wasn't just, yeah, it was a male acquaintance that I had worked with some shifts as a busboy at an establishment in St. John's on Water Street, where my great grandfather was known as Tony Teuton, the heaviest man on Water Street. So it's kind of uh, filled with a lot of irony that something like this would happen to me. But it happened to scores of others. And instead of ending up living in a mansion, as the perpetrator did, being supported by whomever was supporting him after the incident, um, I was uh, in the position where I ended up on, <clears throat> on death's doorstep. I ended up suicidal at different points. I um, didn't want to go on. The pain was too ferocious. And I believe that it was either the drugging on December the 11th, that happened after the hockey game. When we went downtown to the bar, where an establishments that um, are on Water Street in St. John's, where I had worked in in my hometown before Sip and before um, uh, all that. But um, I I kept fighting, and I realized that at some point it's going to pop. At some point, the truth always comes out. And what I faced in terms of the backlash after the incident, including being misdiagnosed when I ended up in London, Ontario for a Pearl Jam concert and ended up at the hospital there, um, and then being on the wrong medications, and this information being suppressed for so many years, 
and hearing about it having happened to so many others um, and having people um, doubt me and not understand that if I were to relay even what I wrote tonight um, with the exact verbiage and words used to properly describe what took place and what I can remember because I couldn't remember everything. I got knocked out and um, it came to as it was happening to me. So God only knows what truly happened. Um, I can only say that uh, I, I pray um, not so much for myself, but to the others that didn't have the opportunity to eventually get some of the support from prominent and, and, you know, helpful understanding people that know what goes on out there, but um, that uh, faced what I faced and then couldn't move forward and either didn't get the support from our medical system here that's necessary or found themselves um, in a position that um, they themselves couldn't find the strength to move on. And um, I want them to know that they are enough and that um, as President Obama aptly stated, when Senator Todd Aiken made the ridiculous statements that he de made down in uh, your part of our woods, because <laughs> we're all on the same land, um, I, uh, President Obama came out and made the statement that rape is rape. And what that means is that when I was questioned by the police, um, who said that the perpetrator said that this was consensual and therefore he got off, no pun intended. Um, what that allowed him to do was, uh, and I'm not afraid to say this, um, I, I was before, but um, if you abuse power, you lose it. Yet if you do not use power, you also lose it. And I guess this is my chance to tell you that um, we know, we know uh, what happened. And uh, thankfully, I'm not back in my hometown. I'll never look at it the same way. But it was a blatant cover-up. And um, the numbers of the types of people that this happened to after the fact are just off the charts. Do you so, believe that, yeah. that you were not only abused by this individual in a, a horrendous uh, act of selfishness and crime uh, to abuse you in the way he did, but do you feel that the systems, the support, the the stigma, all of that also added to the depth of the hurt and the pain of a man that has experienced what you experienced it, during that evening. Does that does that just put uh, fuel on the fire of the pain? To the extent that I think it was a setup. I believe that somebody else drugged me. I know that they did. We got access to that information. Um, people who were dealing the drugs came forth because they had seen the impact that this had had on me. I mean, it was literally a switch went off. And I know that I have some friends who um, I probably haven't spoken to in a while that are, uh, I, I believe, tuning in tonight. And they just didn't know what to do because um, I'm Anthony Teuton. I, 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 I was a trained actor. I, of course, had my challenges. I have ADHD, but the, the, the switch was so specific that um, who cares? Like, what, what, who cares if somebody's gay or straight? I'm straight, but what, what the point is, this was an atrocious, violent act.
that could have only happened if a drug was in my system. And if I were to read to you some of the specifics that I wrote down, which led me to get very emotional, it was very actually, I want to thank you because it was cathartic. Because if I had said it to you I, initially, if we did a pre-interview, it wouldn't have been like two guys uh, who have survived something. Obviously, you um, getting to a position where you are able to help so many other people um, by sharing your story and by having the technical prowess that you do and um, matched with the experiential uh, element. But I, um, I had a catharsis come over me where I just totally broke down. And I had to, to kind of wipe my eyes and clean myself up quickly to, uh, to ensure as you were running up the stairs to your um, beautiful spot there with uh, uh, darkness in the background now, but what was a beautiful sunset um, uh, to, to get to this point. And what I do know is that I told my friend, I said, no matter what happens, um, it's, it's, it's here they're in these pages and um, it's written down and there's so many specifics that were overlooked. And I'll go so far as to say that I believe there was an element of uh, damage like brain damage or something that may have been, been done by lack of oxygen or um, by the actual drugging um, because I, I was never the same person. And what I can also say is with respect to the PTSD, the PTSD was diagnosed, but I didn't find out until years after what PTSD really meant. I always associated it with um, soldiers coming back from the war and shell shock. I didn't understand that it's a clinical diagnosis that's so severe that if the symptoms become exacerbated and you end up in the wrong place at the wrong time, you're going to get taken out in a split second. You're going to be misinterpreted. You're going to be misjudged. I'm blessed by the individuals who um, could see something uh, more, more deeply within, within me um, when I'd have breakdowns. I went through, I mean, this is over 20 years ago. I went through bouts of enormous um, pain where I couldn't sleep for days and I'd have to act like I had and people would be accusing me of being on drugs that I wasn't on, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't want to get into all that victimization content. I want to suggest that there is a way out uh, and that people are enough, but I didn't feel like I was enough. I was doubting myself. Um, I was drowning my sorrows. Um, not unlike what a soldier would do um, with respect to uh, turning to alcohol and other substances. It, it was um, a coping mechanism, but I was never able to be at my fullest. So even though I won the entrance scholarship to film school, um, after the fact, and I met some of my heroes. I can be the per the Anthony that I wanted to be, um, that I would have been uh, had I had those opportunities prior. So that's where I was really acting. I was acting to get through life. And I, I watched a clip with Marlon Brando uh, the other night where uh, he refers to acting as survival. And uh, I found that very intriguing because He's obviously one of the greatest actors, male actors of all time. And to hear him say that with respect to life, having trained as an actor, and like I, I've never been, like I was in theater, right? Like I was, I was never back on stage after that. 
I've been in front of the camera sometimes, but I think that's why I went behind the camera. Maybe, you know, everything happens for a reason. I'm meant to be a filmmaker and I was meant to do the things that I did, but the opportunities were few and far between. From a social standpoint, um, it was also brutal because suddenly this guy is free to do it to anybody he wants. Now, I, I, I received threats over time and threats are not real unless, you know, they happen, right? So you know that there, you can feel it out, and, but there is some fear and trepidation that comes with that. But um, that also speaks, I should say, to the people that helped me out to get to this point, Dr. Williams, and to be a guest on your show. And that's what I want to be for others. I want them to know that fear can subside. The, the, the fear drifts away as you move forward. Time does heal. And one of the great things is that um, community is what's important. I found um, the uh, men's groups very challenging because, uh, and, and sorry, I don't mean to ramble. I'm just trying to get the information out. I, uh, I found the men's groups that I was in for PTSD very challenging because I was listening to the others speak and they didn't have some of the same issues I ran, ran into, which were financial um, because nobody could invest in me. Um, I had the talent. So, okay, so this project's going to happen because I have, I'm using a Dogma 95 style or whatever, and I, I'm adhering to a Bible and I can, and I, you know, in terms of filmmaking, and I can move this project forward, but I'm going to deal with a standardized approach because this is the only camera I have access to or utilizing what's available to me at those times. But my creativity went down and I found myself in a position where um, I couldn't, I couldn't utilize my skills to their utmost potential. And maybe my skills are best used by virtue of uh, having this type of opportunity and speaking with you. But um, Dr. Williams, one of the things that I, I thought as well was that if I didn't share my story, if I didn't go public. So there was a CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation article, which came out April 30th. And that's the first time I went public. And the reason I did that was because I was inspired by an interview, which won an award out of New York. And it was conducted by my friend or a guy I know, Tom Powers, also from Newfoundland. And he's on a major show here called Q. And he interviewed Bono from U2. And I watched that interview. And it was the first time that I saw one of my, you know, cohorts from Newfoundland bringing up what was called Mount Cashel and the Mount Cashel Orphanage Crisis in Newfoundland which is where the Christian brothers systematically sexually assaulted for decades, the orphans. And, um, and I've gotten to know some of them over the years. And what I realized was I was in that category and um, by virtue of this. And um, it's very challenging because there's a culture back in Newfoundland and a very, um, you know, island-based uh, uh set of scenarios uh, where it takes like three years for something that's like happening in central Canada or the U S to, to make it there. So we're a little late on the uptake. And um, finally I heard, uh, sorry, I heard Tom Power ask Bono what he thought about you know, bringing it up and what he thought about the, um, you know, what he thought about religion and what he thought about, these um 
types of scenarios and why he didn't trust religion, just like I, I learned not to. Um, because we grow up watching the news, hearing all about the orphanage and uh, Mount Cashel and how horrendous it all was. And um, here I had essentially gone through the same thing, but it was like in the blink of an eye one night. And, um, and it, it was really hard because I could, could understand right away the need for me to share my story. And so that's why I chose to move forward. And a girl named the great um, reporter, Elizabeth Witten, wrote this article, came out April 30th, and I knew my life was going to change it. It's just in a couple of sentences that they referred to the sexual assault as having changed my life. Um, but I, I found some strength in, in that interview slash conversation and Bono's calm, cool, I guess you could maybe even say rage, you know, like with respect to him understanding it. And I knew then uh, that I had to speak out. And this is an extension kind of of that. And what I want to say is that one of the things that was hardest, and maybe other survivors have experienced this, when they feel they're not enough, and when they're in repair, because we all are, right? I mean, that's essentially what life is. And, and um, you know, learning how to, to navigate through those hurdles and uh, challenges. I realized that there were people that I was convinced, they knew something had happened to me, but they thought it had something to do with me, that there was an issue that I had. And then doctors would put a label on certain things, but they may have been exacerbated symptoms. And I don't mean to get too complex or whatever. At the end of the day, it's PTSD and it's exacerbated symptoms. And if not treated properly, it can mask and mimic bipolar disorder. It can mask and mimic schizoaffective disorder. And then you get caught in a rabbit hole and a quagmire that changes everything. And then you say, is this all I am? You know, and then invariably there's a person there kind of like yourself right now, or not kind of like yourself who makes them believe, you know, a prime mover. And that's when the, when you realize you're not alone and that there's no reason to really be scared. It's not going to happen to you again. Not everybody's a rapist. Not everybody has it in their mindset that I'm going to take advantage of this one person, regardless as to whether or not the perpetrator remembers anything that he may or may not have done to me. The bottom line is, until now and until recently, I was afraid to speak about it. I'd be filming downtown for my documentary about my great-grandfather in St. John's, and somebody would tip him, and he'd be walking right by me, you know, as I'm filming the old buildings and whatnot. And um, you, if you wrote this stuff, nobody would believe you, you know? Nobody would believe that this is, <laughs> this is the case. And I, I want to say to the people that stuck, stuck by me that I really, really appreciate it. And I, from the bottom of my heart, I apologize for the ways I reacted. But I think I said to you when you asked for some of the key points that I wanted to address, I said, um, you know, the incident and in brackets, I put, I should have stayed down because I believe that if I had not come to the morning after when I woke up alone in a house where I, I had no idea not only where I was, 
whose house it was. It was getting dark. Um, the bottom line is there was $10 on my jeans. There was a picture of um, a couple, 19th century picture. It was circularly framed. I think it was like sepia. I don't even think it was uh, black and white, you know? And uh, I remember these things and I was like, and there was blood. And I was, and, and the fact that it took me, you know, several days to end up at the hospital, the fact that I was in a, uh, what I believe now, based on my um, research and experience, was a, a firm state of psychosis. Um, ultimate shock. I remember this is right before Christmas. I'm going to even make this statement, and I haven't gotten into the specifics of how it led up to that from having found myself alone at the end of the night without my friends at the establishment before being thrown into a cab. So obviously I was under the influence of something. I hadn't been doing drugs that night myself. I had been drinking, but I remembered like a rock glass of Guinness, you know, continuously being in front of me. You know, I remember people staring at you like it was, I, I know what happened. And, you know, they know what happened. But the bottom line is that um, through the grace of God, I somehow made it out. And I apologize that I'm pouring this out, but I just want to say if this is my last opportunity, based on certain things that happened recently, to speak out here in Canada. Canada is not the nation it portrays itself to be if there's no security and no um, ability for people to come forward because they're afraid that the pseudo-democracy will um, have a blemish on its face internationally or whatever the case may be. And I, I say this because there's people that know that this... Anthony, I, I want to take, we got to take a break real quick. Uh, We'll regroup, come back on the other side of this. On the other side of this commercial break, I really want to dig into the aftermath, what happened, uh, and how you dealt with it now. What's life going to be like for you? We're going to have about 20 minutes when we get back uh, to, to finish the story to go full circle. But I want you to get the opportunity to say what you want. But I want to find out, uh, as we turn the corner, what kind of strength, where did it come from? What have you learned? What helps? What doesn't? And what do you plan on doing in the future with this to reach out and give other people hope? So we're going to do that right on the other side of this only commercial break we're taking tonight, 888-627-6008. And we're right back with the final segment with Anthony Tony. Be right back. Be with us. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. To contact Dr. Williams, dial 832-396-6525 or email him at shatteredbythedarkness at gmail.com. And don't forget to join us each Sunday night at 8 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Pacific on BBS Radio Station 1 for the next episode of Breaking the Silence.
Welcome back. We have our guest tonight, and we're going to finish up the, the final part of the program with him, uh, Anthony Futon. And uh, I probably, I'm probably mispronouncing that, Anthony, but I hope I'm close anyway. But uh, it's T-O-O-T-O-N. For you that want to look that T- up. T as in Tom. T right. as in Tom O-O. T as in Tom O-N. Yeah, it's uh, pronounced Tuton. But Tuton. Some, some people up here, yeah, some people uh, mispronounce it uh, Tuton. So when I was at boarding school, they used to call me Rootin' Tuton. Wonderful. Okay, now, so Anthony, you you was a realization and has come to we even today of you writing these instances down uh, in front of you. Did you find that therapeutic? Was that healing for you to put it on paper? Is that the first time you ever put it down on paper? Yeah, to the extent that if I didn't have my friend whose house I'm here in a family home in um, Hamilton, uh, which they call the Hammer, and uh, you should visit. It's a great Canadian city, Steel Town. So um, I have some great memories uh, with with my friend John Watson here. But um, I'll tell you, yeah, I, I'm I'm actually filled with tremendous emotion. So I do apologize because I really thought that I'd keep it together a little bit better. But I I in the break there. I, I want to say, Dr. Williams, that um, I think it's amazing that you broke your silence after 30 years. And I, I know I'm talking to the right guy uh, with respect to that. And I hope that um, that I didn't throw you off by, by spilling what I did. But to answer your question, um, it was extremely cathartic. And I literally, I broke down. I, I wrote this stuff out. I got to a certain point, um, which is when I made it to the gas station near the house where I woke up, where I came to uh, with nobody around me. And um, and then my friend uh, knocked at the door and came in and, and, and I actually started chatting and I, I started kind of shaking and I, I, I actually broke down. Now in the past, what I would do is immediately try to self-medicate or cope with it in whatever way possible, freak out, whatever, um, to my chagrin and, and, and be blamed for it, for those things. Right. But in this case, I was able to keep it together. And, and I actually am very proud of myself for having written this out. And, um, and actually it's, it's because of you that I was able to do this. And, um, so, so there was something very cathartic about it. Um, it would certainly be triggering, and I thought about that. And I said to my friend, you know, I don't want to just say, hey, listen, I got this, you know, holy grail. I want to read this. And uh, you're a writer. And, you know, I finally got it out. You know, this is the third time I tried. Like, it's very succinct. And um, and I, like I said, I know what happened. Um, and And it's a violent, aggressive, physical act. But by having written it down, whether I shared or not, um, I know that this had nothing to do with something being consensual, something being gay or straight. This was a brutal, brutal rape. I yeah, even felt just like when a, a child gets uh, abused. This was not your fault. You being there, no. you, you, there's nothing that you did that caused that rape. Nothing. I remember I had this great friend back in St. John's 
who shall remain nameless for his for himself and that he knew what had happened and it happened to a friend of his and i don't know how well hit that that friend is doing right now now um and that that really worries me um he uh this mutual friend we were having a, a he said to me um he said why don't you just tell people that you're gay it's like, why don't you just like, if this is such an issue in this small town mentality, you know, mentality uh, setup that we have, like, we know what happened to, like, in other words, like, in the underground or like on the street, those that knew, knew, right? Like, they, there was a fox in the hen house. There was a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, the reason I know who did it to me was because my left arm was pinned. And when I came to, I uh, I was I remember thinking this is the worst pain of my life, and I studied Jeet Kune Do, Bruce Lee's martial art, and I'm left-handed, and I tried with all my might to swing back my right arm, and he caught it, and that's when I saw his face, and he was, uh, and I know this. I've I've even said I'm willing to take a lie detector test, and I don't know if you know this, but victims aren't allowed to do that um, through the justice system in Canada, right? It's only the perpetrators um, and those that break the law that that um, to my knowledge can can do that but I I know specifically what happened and of course it comes from dribs and drabs and pieces back and forth but um, I it's so crazy because I want to say this when I would see the individual or when he would walk by me coincidentally or whatever I just get sick. I would just have this, and and then I go into a state which would be one of intense anger, and I regret so much, and we'll probably have to deal with this. The ap the those aspects of the aftermath of me becoming a person that I wasn't, the antithesis of Anthony McGraw Teuton, the antithesis of who I was brought up to be, and to have exhibited that behavior and so not only my own chagrin it's nothing to do with ego to have hurt others when i really wanted to thank them for having helped me and understood that they couldn't understand and and there's one other thing that i want to say i've said this to a few other people i believe that whether you're awake or not when you're when when a sexual act takes place um, that is associated with violence. Um, I believe like it impacts the victim to such a capacity where it's almost like embedded in their DNA or something like it's actually, there's muscle memory, there's, and, and, um, and I think in certain respects, it takes 20 or 30, it takes decades or a generation to get over this. And if you can survive, then you can get to a position where you are. In terms of what you were saying before the break, having that catharsis and trying to help other people, um, I, I don't, I don't want to trigger other people. Like I, I would never want to say something, even in a controlled interview, um, like this one per se, where I could potentially say something, and you have to be professional, and then you are, and and then it triggers you. You know, it's that one thing. I, that's why I was so fearful of sharing, even with my friend, what's written here. 
and I know that that's very intense what I just shared in terms of why I know the perpetrator was who the perpetrator was to say nothing of the fact that when I was in the state that I was a couple of days later, he had tracked me down and um, put his hand on my forearm and said he was sorry, sorry, but that never came up with the police, right? So the bottom line is we're talking about a scenario here where the other victims knew that because it was public enough, but never made it to the media side of it, because it was public enough that this horrendous thing had happened to me, because I became the social pariah, because I was getting in fights, because I was, you know, like utilizing my energy in the wrong ways. And God, please forgive me. Um, I, you know, uh, became a shadow of myself. And I just want the other individuals to know that, that there is forgiveness, you know, and, and uh, the other thing too, is that when we get to this stage, there's a, there's a maturity level that um, is necessary to reach. And maybe you can speak to this. Um, I'm, and I, I know you have in your books, um, as, as you've alluded to before, where you, you, as Neil Young, the great Canadian and international musician, um, one of our gifts to the world has sung, uh, there comes a time. And, and this is m my time where I say, look, you know what, throw it at me. I, I honestly, I, to thine own self be true. I just want to help others to know that you can find the people or people similar to the ones that have helped me that haven't had the same thing happen to them, but understand enough to know uh, okay, this was this guy before the incident and let's help him get back to that. Let's help him rejuvenate. So this happened in 2002. Mm -hmm. The story came out April of this year? April 30th, yeah. Of 2023. 21 years before the story came out about that. To where, yeah. Um, so did you hold all of that in, hoping it would go away and just allow it to rage inside of you? Uh, not not necessarily. Person? I was the guy that would go to, you know, the dingy bars. Like karaoke was my outlet, you know. Right. And um, I'm actually going to mention something to you. There's something very interesting. I met one of my heroes. He knows who he is. And without him, I certainly wouldn't be here right now. And uh, I was uh, around 2003, I was about to give up. And um, this came out with my friend after, like just before the interview, after I was writing this stuff and she came to check on me and uh, before, as I was breaking down and, and um, I, I played this song that um, my my friend had that I was staying with after the incident when I was renting a room off of him in a house in St. John's. He was trying to help me out, and uh, and this very very prominent, huge musician. <laughs> this song came on. It was a song from my youth, from one of the biggest albums when I was uh, in grade ten, and um, and that performance is literally what snapped me out of what would have kept me down, so to speak that night I had 
made the decision that I wasn't moving forward. And this is before film school. This is back 2002, 2003. And, um, and that um, is what, what propelled me. And, and actually in writing this stuff and playing that song for my friend, um, I was able to uh, quickly get myself back on track to realize, okay, I have a responsibility here. My goal is to try to get my story out, not for myself, to, to try to help other people. And right. if there is any catharsis through that, great. But yeah, that stuff was like, I mean, like I said, in my DNA, like it, I mean, I, it's what's prevented me from um, maintaining relationships with women. It's what's prevented me from maintaining some of my friendships. I, I don't have kids because I believe because of that, um, what, that which was, you know, embedded and kept within me. Yeah. And um, now, Anthony, we only have like a minute left. Uh, they're going to go to the next live show and cut us off. Um, what, what can you say? Because I mean, to bring this full circle, what would you say to somebody that's listening tonight that says, "Hey, wait, I have a similar story. Not, of course, the same circumstances or anything." but the same type of abuse or hurt or pain or violation of them, man or woman, how do I get by? How do I get through the night? What would you tell them if they were looking at you in your eyes right now? How do I get through the night? What's your advice? Again, all cliches are cliches because they're true. Um, so what I would say is, could thine own self be true? Um, don't face it head on if it's going to hurt other people. There's no excuse for hurting others because you're going through pain yourself. However, there are people out there, and many of them in my case, I'll try to be quick here, are, many of them in my case are people that understood with that look in the eye that will help you um, such that you can find sanctity, and you can be the person that you were born to be and that it doesn't define us. What somebody else has done to us, um, as egregious as it may be, ultimately does not define us. You can reinvent yourself. There is rebirth and pray. <laughs> Amen. Pray. That's good Anthony, thank you for sharing. And before we, before we close out tonight, I, I personally want to applaud your courage. Uh, and I think you writing those items down was for you. Uh, mm -hmm. Hang on to those. Keep adding to that. Keep adding memories and thoughts and different details to that. Because I think once you get all of that stuff out of you, the healing process can start to begin in the depth that it needs to begin in. And it's a slow process. It is a process. But I hope that you being allowed to have this hour uh, sharing some of your story with us tonight has not only helped you, but it's helped me and it's helped uh, people around the world this evening. I appreciate and applaud your courage to tell the story. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's been a privilege and an honor. Thank you, sir. We'll be in touch with you. I, I promise you we'll be emailing and texting and calling on the phone uh, periodically for quite a while. So uh, let's let's stay in touch. Okay, my friend? Thank you, Dr. Williams. I really appreciate it. Okay, let's have you back on. And maybe 
when you have your book out, when you're going to tell the whole world everything that happened. That could be a possibility. But welcome and thank you for being with us on the program tonight. Thank you, sir. Okay. As we do each and every week, I always like to, uh, especially on not a dark show, but a very uh, situational show that didn't have much laughter in it. That's life. This, these things happen. But I want to let you know, as Anthony has shared with you tonight, as I share with you each and every week, no matter what has happened to you, whether it was yesterday or 25 years ago, it doesn't define who you are. Don't let it keep you down. And there's always, always hope. I promise you that. There's hope. And there are always a few people somewhere in this world that are willing to lean into you and help you on that journey. And it's an honor, Anthony, that you help me and I help you right now on this journey together, whether it's for the next five weeks or five years. I want to be there for you, and I know you'll be there for me. That's what it's all about. Thank you for joining us tonight. Be with us next week for another live edition of Breaking the Silence from Houston, Texas. God bless. Have an awesome week. And don't forget about the whole. Hang in there. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. To contact Dr. Williams, dial 832-396-6525 or email him at shatteredbythedarkness at gmail.com. And don't forget to join us each Sunday night at 8 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Pacific on BBS Radio Station 1 for the next episode of Breaking the Silence. Thank you.